0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content.
1: Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron.
0: Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Eric Weiss. Eric is the Vice President of Health Solutions at Northrop Grumman, and today we're going to be talking about... Northrop Grumman's role in the in the healthcare marketplace, uh, how it's supporting customers in the federal space, and um, where Northrop's heading in that regard. So, Eric, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Roger. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, and But before we really get started on, on the, the support you're providing to the customer, um, Eric, can you talk a little bit about your background, how you came to Northrop, um, and after that, a little bit about your role at Northrop?
2: Sure, sure. So I was originally a mechanical engineer. Um, some of my earliest projects were focused on humanitarian landmine clearance. Uh, so I had an early focus on the warfighter, supporting the army, supporting the Marine Corps. Uh, I did uh, about 25 years ago is when I started, and then I moved into health IT uh, about six years later. Um, been in health IT uh, on and off for most of that last 20 years. Uh, been with Northrop Grumman for a little over seven now. And uh, at Northrop Grumman, my role, as you said, is vice president of health solutions. I run the health Uh, business unit. Um, We're comprised mostly of federal work. We have some state and local and a little bit of commercial as well. Uh, Most people don't really think of health IT when they hear Northrop Grumman, um, but we've actually been in the health IT business for three decades. Um, We support uh, a number of customers. I'll touch on them in a second, but we focus on data-driven decision-making. We support customers with their transformation initiatives, um, deliver cybersecurity, uh, uh, solutions that help keep bad actors from impacting different customers' health missions. Um, we're actually one of the largest um, providers of IT transformation services to the CDC down in Atlanta, um, also to the Social Security Administration up in Baltimore. We're among the top several at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Um, so at, uh, at uh, CMS, uh, for example, we focus on things like the Beneficiary Eligibility Systems as well as um, we provided the systems and sub- services that supported the electronic health record in- incentive program, which accelerated the adoption of meaningful use and electronic health records across the country. We're also doing some really interesting work in fraud prevention to help prevent uh, payments to the bad actors. And then we've also focused on helping Medicare shift towards pay per- performance and away from just paying for the volume of care.
0: So yeah, uh, so i like to unpack that a little bit. And can you, can you talk about uh, more? I mean, the All those things are really fascinating to me. I mean, you know, uh, by sake of full disclosure, my wife used to work for Social Security. So, you know, I know they have that super, you know, super highly, you know, secure facility. It's got everybody's Social Security numbers in it or whatever. Um, So what what is Northrop doing for – I I know you're helping with uh, their IT modernization. And I think this year you were awarded uh, IT. TSS contract, that's correct. Um, right. Can you talk about a little bit about what that contract is and what sure, you're doing I,
2: there? Yeah, uh, is the second generation of their large IDIQ contract um, where we're helping them um, in several different areas. We support their overall infrastructure. Um, we also won their cyber and security um, support. We've been providing some of that along the way. Um, and then the disability case processing system is one of the things that ties Social Security into our health group, right? Okay. About yeah. half of the energy and time. Uh, for her SSA is focused on disability claims and processing, those kinds of things. So we support that as well.
0: And does, is the Social Security and this? Does it? I mean, this is like a nationwide contract, right? So you're tying together all the locations on throughout the government, and then it feeds into everything else, right? Because people, that Social Security number... He's used for other benefits and things like that. Is that right? Am I right about that?
2: That Definitely the case. uh, A lot of different agencies will connect into SSA. CMS is one of our other customers right there, so they do coordinate and share uh, information um, right there. But. You're right. It's it's a big network, um, and uh, we do support their networking operations uh, across the country, and it's it's a large task. But most of our folks are up near Baltimore supporting them.
0: And is is at the forefront of their your customer that customer's? I mean, I know it's IT modernization, but all you hear about these days is cyber security and you know defending against bad actors. Is that one of their biggest challenges?
2: I would say so. As you noted, the SSA data center um, is a very important and well-protected organization, and that's for good reason. A large, significant percentage of the GDP flows through SSA, right? Right. Seniors need their SSA
0: get their payments, all that kind of. Yeah. Pay their
2: buy their groceries, right? So that is a very high priority for them.
0: And uh, and the other one that um, really uh, caught my ear, I guess, since we're on the radio, (laughs) is uh, um, CDC and what you're doing there. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because um, when I think CDC, I think of, like, Ebola, right? And yes. I mean, that's the sexy things you think. of. I mean, it's all important stuff, right? Yeah. But helping, you know, in responding to that and all, all, like, all those kind of wonderful things. So, so that's okay.
2: exactly it. That's actually where we've had the longest presence uh, in federal health. Um, we have a few hundred people in Atlanta. Um, we support all of CDC's critical initiatives, disease surveillance, outbreak management, uh, their precision health analytics, health communications management, um, support them with their websites and their social uh, media and their mobile apps, um, support them as they um, work to manage infectious and chronic diseases. Um, we support them in 70 countries or, around the world uh, and some and help them with some of the most pressing health challenges. As you noted, the Ebola outbreak and recently the opioid crisis. So we support them with all those areas.
0: Yeah, and is, is part of that support, is that it- – are you doing data analytics for them to try to, I mean, I can think crunching data yes. and that kind of try to, try to unlock the keys to, you know, addressing diseases or even just figuring out where the outbreak is going and how to, you know, prevent. Is that the kind of things that's going on there?
2: Definitely. Both the IT side, the analytics, as well as the program side. Um, we have about 200 folks that have health credentials. They're epidemiologists and nurses and doctors and things like that. So we support them on the program side, but absolutely we do focus on the analytics and how we can help them on the IT side um, in, in all those areas as well.
0: And, and I know another area um, you mentioned to me um, that you that you're re-emerging or merging in is then um, mili- the military health space. Can you um, talk a little bit about where that's going? Yeah, and absolutely. We'll take a deeper dive as we. Go through the show. Sure.
2: I'd I'd say that's one part of the business that has me really excited about what the future may hold. Um, As I I noted, Northrop Grumman, we're focused on mission-critical enterprise solutions. Um, The Defense Health Agency's mission is evolving really into a combat support agency, which means over time their operational medicine capabilities will become more and more integrated to support the combatant commands. And that's right in line with the kinds of capabilities that Northrop Grumman can bring to bear on it. So when you think about the needs for operational medicine – and military health. Across their healthcare delivery, they include things like medical situational awareness, medical command and control, medical logistics, especially blood, getting blood to the right place at the right time, patient movement. So we see a close alignment with the core competencies uh, at Northrop Grumman and those, those key needs. And um, these are the things that we're best at providing to all of our customers across the DoD, and they can be applied to operational medicine. Um, for example, Northrop Grumman's a leader in Providing C4ISR capabilities to all the different branches of the military, and these same capabilities can be applied to medical C2, right, and situational awareness. And in fact, they need to be applied there uh, in in their new role as a combat support agency.
0: So I was going thats where I was gonna go. You got ahead of me, Eric. Uh, I was gonna go there. Just to, like your what you do to support the warfighter across the department already. It seems like the perfect um. um background i don't know what i'm trying to search the right word um, to translate into uh, military healthcare too and so you know making sure that the you know the warfighter is mission ready to go right so
2: exactly and these are these are very difficult environments in which to operate sometimes there's no communication or low communication um, and very fast paced environments um, and that's where we excel in terms of building and, and implementing combat support systems um, that can help the customer with their situational awareness um, with their logistics in terms of getting things done. So.
0: so is that one of the biggest challenges, just that global, the, you know, the department's global footprint and it, it being able to deliver on time, you know, uh, you know, in country, you know, just, you know, in the midst of a potential conflict or ongoing conflict kind of situation. I, I, is that? I would, I
2: would agree. It's, it's, it's the global, globally integrated healthcare network is, is, is a huge challenge. Um, as we know, the electronic health record uh, implementation is underway. Um, that's definitely going to make a big difference. There's still uh, a need to get the healthcare and the data all the way to what we're calling the tac- tactical edge, right? So right at the point of combat, at the point of where a casualty, casualty combat casualty would happen. Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, and a lot of improvement, I think, that can still be um, – uh, there's still innovation that can be done to to improve – um, chances for survival, especially as the world um, and the threat environment is evolving as we're looking at, at new yeah. threat environments.
0: So, Eric, you know what? We already have to take our first break. Uh, so, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation talking about um, the military health space and what's going on there, some of the key trends, and how Northrop, uh, how you and Northrop are responding to those. My guest today is Eric Weiss, he is Vice President of Health Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network.
3: When the world calls for advanced electronics, we respond with C4ISR breakthroughs. When the world calls for defense from cyber threats, we provide groundbreaking cyber solutions. When the world calls for a revolution in autonomous technology, Northrop Grumman is there. At Northrop Grumman, we're constantly innovating to deliver the most effective and affordable solutions to our customers. Whether it's cyber, logistics, autonomous systems, C4ISR, or strike, that's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. To learn more, visit northropgrummancom slash performance.
0: Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. Uh, and uh, my guest today is Eric Bice. He is Vice President of Health Solutions at Northrop Grumman. And we are talking about Northrop's role in the federal, primarily healthcare space, and how it's supporting mission uh, across the board. Whether it's Social Security, CDC, and in particular, when we ended the last segment, we were talking uh, some about the military health space and uh, survivability and supporting you know the warfighter. And Eric, can you give us some real-life examples of of, of how that happens, and what you do?
2: Sure, sure. So when we think about operational medicine and, and a warfighter, we like to, to try to put a human face on it. So we'll come up with a vignette and think about what it might be like for a person and even put a name on a person. So if we think about somebody named Jimmy Lamar, and you can start by thinking he was a popular student at a nearby high school. Uh, this, this is actually a true story in Fairfax County. He was vice president of a junior class, played basketball, baseball, and then joined the Army. And then if we fast forward a little bit, it was a cold, dark morning. Sergeant Lamar experienced a life-threatening gunshot wound on a battlefield in a fairly remote location. So then we stop and we think about, for a moment, about Jimmy's chances of survival at different points in U.S. history, right? Right. So if you kind of go all the way back to the beginning of the country, all the way up through maybe the middle of, of the, of the uh, 20th century in the World Wars, his chances weren't great, right? And even as we emerged as a world power— in um, through the world wars, Jimmy had less than a 50% chance of survival due to la- lack of fast access to medical care, including a surgeon, medicine uh, or blood, something like that. So if you um, if you think about uh, the advances in operational medicine have come a long ways um, through the conflicts in Afghanistan and the Gulf War. So chances of survival have dramatically improved for Jimmy. Right. Over 90 percent. He's over 90 percent likely to, to survive uh, in that situation. And the key Uh, is to get him the right help in the golden hour, the hour after he's heard, first hour after the injury. Um, So things things like um, helping him get um, the right tourniquet on, getting medevac with support um, on the helicopter, um, those kinds of things um, that would help him um, quickly. So there's actually a great book that's published by the Office of the Surgeon General called Out of the Crucible that documents how the U.S. military transformed combat casualty care in Iraq and Afghanistan, and one example outcome is during Operation Iraqi Freedom, patients at Balad's Air Force Theater Hospital had an astonishing 98% survival rate. So if patients could get to that hospital, 98% survival rate. So just a few of the innovations that they talked about in the book are things like those battlefield tourniquets, topical hemostatic agents that can stop um, stop bleeding, um, or that helicopter evacuation with en route critical care nurses, things like that.
0: So and is the key to that, I mean, those are that's the application of the care. Yeah. It's like, but the network, right. The communications, the kind of stuff that you guys do, um, to know this is where Jimmy is. We have to get people to him fast. You have to, you know, diagnose it quick and make decisions that speed to do that and provide that communications as, you know, in modernizing, you know, the communication systems and the data analytics and that kind of stuff. That's, that's where Northrop Grumman comes in, in this.
2: That that's where we would love to come in and, and provide a big level of support, right? Is getting that data. So so even in, in even in Jimmy's case in Afghanistan, Iraq, maybe even today, as he's treated on the battlefield uh, and he's given medication, um, it's not unusual at all for someone to to write a quick note with what's happened and yes. wh- how they've yeah. been treated, what medicines, and they might safety pin it onto to Jimmy's uniform or put it in a pocket, in uh, in faster paced environments they might just write quickly on the bandage um, what's happened and in some cases they just use a permanent marker and write right on Jimmy's arm right, right, right what's happening so to your point the data that's needed for a lifetime of health long you know the, the longitudinal record of what's happened um, it is is still lost right so if right. it's just if it's just written on a bandage that gets thrown away and it, it's lost so if we kind of look forward into the future, Um, Jimmy, you know, might be wearing a T-shirt or a smartwatch or a ring with embedded biosensors that continuously monitor his readiness before he goes into battle and then his health while he's in the battle and throughout. And the moment he was shot, the data um, that supports situational awareness, as you noted, so where is he, what's his condition, um, and the data needed to to drive the decision-making and save his life is available, right? So um, very quickly you can understand what his vital signs are, you can apply better care to him at the spot um, as he's in a helicopter and being transported to a military treatment facility. His telemetry can be relayed to uh, a waiting surgeon, and that would dramatically continue to improve his chances for survival. So all of that technology is out there and it's available and should and be brought to, y- bear, to bear. You know,
0: in in your role, you, you pull that together to pr- provide that solution.
2: That's what that's what we're focused on is, is, is um, that's that solution for the future. Exactly.
0: I, and w- when you describe that, I, I, I didn't think it immediately came to mind is we're going back to the cyber risk. You know, the the military is so dependent on data. Right. And, the, you know, the effect of communication and, and basically the integrity of the data. Right. That's right. So, I mean, how do you address that in within that in that in that construct?
2: That's that's a great point um Roger you you you've hit you've hit on a very um a, a very important topic for DHA for military health and that's endpoint security right so the devices i just mentioned they're all connected right? right um so endpoint security making sure that those are safe um is is critical um as we move forward and you know the DHA is now so broad they they consider their environment with all of those devices to be one of hyper variants right they have one of everything there's right. so many different devices and they don't want to limit doctors and say, well, you can't, can't just go buy the next great thing. Um, so there's just lots of different things. So the way that we would solve that is by um, testing the devices and monitoring um, them for the data that's flowing, uh, monitoring the network and understanding. You know, and, we, and we've done similarly complex, large systems of systems, right, where there's lots of different parts and lots of different endpoints. So that's the way that you solve it. So,
0: and that, yeah, and that is is the biggest, I mean, there's a the cyber piece of it, but also the inter- interoperability. Is that like making sure everybody can talk to each other? I mean, it's that, I mean, I'm a layperson, but I think of it in the con- context of that. You have the competing interests of making sure the system's secure, but also making sure the system works and everybody's able to talk to each other. Is that like is that the threading the needle that... that that's another good
2: point and i think it that that in some ways comes back to the acquisition approach um you know and and whether it makes sense to have a large systems integrator starting to pull together future joint operational medicine um technology right so that there can be um interoperability better better opportunity for interoperability
0: right well and that yeah the role is of a system integrator i think especially in the federal sp- space um i know i know th- yeah you know, there's often this view you know, where the, those folks get criticized i guess i don't know what the right term but to, it seems to me as someone who's been in this market for such a long time that you know it's that's a vital partnership between government and systems integrator is that bridge to bring the technologies together to bring you know um you know a complete solution to a problem like you described is that you know, uh, you know is that i mean that's your focus right
2: it is, and I think it, it can be a challenge. It's often a challenge. Um, what we see is that with large efforts like the Genesis integration and looking yeah. at operational medicine, they happen over a number of years, and technology is evolving very quickly in the middle. Right. Right? Right. So along the way, the customer says, well, what about this this great new idea? Right. Or we go to them and say, how about this great new idea? And then we have to make sure that as we bring new pieces and consider new components, um, that we're bringing it together in a way that, um you know uh, it's going to work it's going to be cyber resistant to attack but resilient as well so right. when an attack does occur it's resilient and can still continue to accomplish its mission but i think you're right the more the more complex and the more pieces um the harder it is to be a systems integrator but we think that's why people come to north of is because right. we tackle those big Yeah big the projects. expertise that you have
0: and i guess one of the things that i've i've learned and or observed i guess in the federal space is that yeah, and I you touched on it briefly, and I just want to get your quick thought. We have about a minute left. Um just this idea that doctors and healthcare experts and you know, they they want to have choice in the sense of the tools that they use. And some have preferences for certain things, are using comfortable with certain equipment, others are trained on other equipment and how you I mean I know it's DJ and VA's kind of challenge to try to how to how to standardize but also not eliminate that ability to choose as appropriate, and then different care requires different things right depending on the uh on the diagnosis of a person pulling all those different you know pieces together that's a subset of like the overall system. it seems to me it just compounds itself in terms of the complexity is that fair
2: it's it's absolutely fair and it's further um, the is further compounded by the fact that each of the services has their own needs and right. some of their own t- Tactics, techniques, and procedures. And cultures and, and all cultures. that kind of stuff. Exactly. So, so. that does present a challenge.
0: Yeah. So you know what? We're at the break. Eric, when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about that idea of supporting the customer and understanding the customer's requirements and their cultures and what it means and um, how Northrop delivers for mission support in that context. My guest today is Eric Bice. He is vice president of health solutions at Northrop Grumman. And you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio a part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Eric Bice. He is Vice President of Health Solutions at Northrop Grumman. We've been talking about the uh, federal medical healthcare market, um, a little bit what's going on there um, and how Northrop is supporting customer needs. Um, And I want to continue that conversation about you know, customer requirements and how you're responding to them. But first, uh, Eric, I have to ask, you know, we, you know, uh, you know, I have lost track of Jimmy. So w- what happened to Jimmy Lamar? Is that his name? That's right. right. Jimmy yeah. Lamar. Um, what happened to him? He shot, he's on the battlefield. Um, just, uh, please <laughs> sure. don't hold me in suspense or the listeners.
2: Fair enough. So we'll, we'll finish Jimmy's story. So first I'll place him in history for us. It was 1944. Uh, and Jimmy was actually, uh, in the 18th Infantry Regiment that took the village of Ramshide, um, Germany. And unfortunately, Sergeant Lamar died from his wounds that cold morning. Um, his unit did receive the presidential unit citation for extraordinary heroism. And uh, there is a street, Lamar Drive, uh, near Fairfax Villa Elementary School. that's named in Jimmy's honor. If Jimmy were, uh, if, if it were today, right, and in the future, then that's, that's what we're focused on, is saving the Jimmys of today and in the future, by applying better technology and capturing the data, right, um, that can be turned into useful data that can be used for actual actionable decision-making, right? So um, that's, that's where I think, where we're focused right now. That's where we're investing is on the operational medicine side is looking forward to see how we can help all the Jimmys of the future.
0: Right. So in that case, just uh, like you used examples when you described Jimmy, like perhaps they would write a little note and pin it to his pocket or – use a marker and write on his arm just what his injuries i mean that is a i mean probably an effective but you know you know the 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 tag may fall off his sleeve or whatever or whatever is there i mean when you talk about data management to you know to you know to you know ensure his survivability you know is that manage that data from the point he you know somebody first attends to him is that from that endpoint back into the system, then throughout his life and into the VA, is that what your vision is?
2: Exactly, right. And I'll give you a simple and really inexpensive example of how we could help Jimmy today. Near field communications, NFC communications, it's, uh, it's almost like it's similar to Bluetooth on your phone. Yes. You could yeah. give someone a patch, a small Band-Aid. Um, you could put it on their forehead so it's easy to find. Uh, for $0.10, cents, you can buy these patches that hold a kilobyte of data, right? So you could put that on, on Jimmy's forehead, use a phone to to uh, basically communicate all of that same data that would be on the note, and it would travel with Jimmy um, throughout his continuum of care all the way to the VA, right, for for his entire lifetime. So we would know what happened from that moment all the way forward. And then we like to even start before that moment of the casualty, right? So in the military sure, health sure. speak, that's that's what they call – Role, role one is at the point of the casualty. So we're actually focused on role zero and readiness and, and, and what happens before that. So with these sensors, you can be tracking the, the health of the individual with, again, their vital signs, maybe even things like their level of hydration. And you can understand whether you've got a ready force, uh, a lethal force that's ready um, for the battle ahead. Um, one, we were talking with some senior Navy medicine leaders um, just on Friday who came to visit us. You sure. kind of came up with this concept of having an individual black box, like you have on an airplane, right? So you're tracking the mm-hmm. data on a continuous basis. By the time you get to somebody in an injury situation, you can actually check their black box and see what happened in the last ten minutes, right?
0: Right, right. Or even them. and even you know any kind of I guess pre- theoretically pre con- pre existing excuse, excuse conditions. me conditions that you know you know that that person may have in terms of. Their health, you know, and how it may impact their the the care and responding to them.
2: Exactly. So it's 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 the entire continuum of care, and we can even back up further to make sure that we're capturing and understanding from a data perspective their training, the medics' training. Um, you know, back to the notion of operational medicine um, being a combat support system, medevac planning. Right. For example, sure. is it is a, is a is a you know a major logistical. Challenge and a very important component of the overall process. Um, so again, those are things that that uh, that we're good at and that we can help with.
0: Yeah, you know, and again, I go back. I think I'm touched. We touched on this a little bit before, but when I think about that, you know, Bluetooth instrument. Again, I'm a layperson, so I'll just. You, 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 but and and having that information and then communicating it throughout the medical care chain, right? At the same time, on the opposite side of the field are bad actors who are trying to, you know, potentially penetrate that network and, you know, and then basically sabotage the capability of our military to respond. How are you addressing that? I mean, because it seems to me, again, it goes back, we, you know, that interoperability, everybody able to communicate efficiently, effectively, balanced with being able to harden our, you know, communications data you know, technologies against those who are going to try to mess them all up. Right. I-
2: Absolutely. So that, that is one of the the most important pillars and core capabilities of Northrop Grumman is our cyber defense capability. Um, we have a very complex and thorough approach. Defense in depth um, is what we call it. And we look at all levels, right from the perimeter where somebody could get in um, and start to access the, sure. the, uh, the network and access the devices and then the data that's the most important stuff right at the very center at the core um and we apply you know literally dozens of tools uh techniques um and have the right people sort of at each one of those um facets of the defense in depth approach so that we can protect you know at at its core the most important information is that data and then again the the notion of cyber resiliency right so when the attack comes not if but right, right when the right, attack yeah. comes Can you continue and accomplish your mission despite the fact that there's an attack underway? So, are you resilient and can you keep going?
0: Right. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, you. I like that defense in depth. I mean, I was thinking layered defenses and all the different, but I like defense in depth better. Um, And then, you know, one of the things that fascinates me is that you know, in the first segment, you talked a little bit about the CDC and what you're doing to support that, and it just seems like. The technologies and analytics you're doing there could really translate to support, you know, the health, uh, you know, taking care of the warfighter. Is is that the case? And you talk a little bit about that.
2: Absolutely. You know, I it's surprising to think that actually, uh, 80 percent of the hospital admissions for warfighters, no matter what point in history you look at, 80 percent of the hospital admissions were not a combat casualty. They were a disease or an outbreak, or something that happened to them, even during World War II, World War I, 80% yeah. mm-hmm. was was not a casualty. Um, so uh, having the opportunity well, to... Well,
0: World War I, right? We had the Spanish flu outbreak, that's right. right? That's right, that's so, right. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, so that's, that's arguably an even more important part of military medicine, is the surveillance um, and keeping uh, a medically ready force by using things like machine learning, data analytics, artificial intelligence, To predictive use, do predictive analysis, and when there's an outbreak, um, being able to head it off as quickly as possible, right, so that you still have a medically ready uh, combat force.
0: Right. Everybody's talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning today, and I mean, it it seems like we're just, you know, you you know, the tip of the iceberg on that. We're just starting down that path. Is that fair to say?
2: It, It is fair to say, and I think it it comes to bear when you have. Um, exponentially increasing volumes of data. Um, the, there's some, some say that by 2020, it's estimated that health data will double every 73 days. That's astonishing, the amount of health data that's out there.
0: Well, why do you think that is? Is that because, well, there's only a certain number of people, and we're, but is it that the technologies to be able to f- record different it's the device. data elements. It, I think, Is it's, the, just, yeah, okay. I think just, it's the
2: devices, to, right? So, right. so if you think about um, uh, Fitbits and smartwatches, uh, and um, all the different sources of that data, there's sources everywhere, all the time, right? right. And more and more people are yeah, adopting like my them.
0: phone with my little health, whatever icon, my little heart icon there. It's recording my exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. I get it. <laughs> so it's,
2: it's the adoption of those devices. It's the proliferation of those kinds of uh, of devices and the way that they're used,
0: right? And the challenge with that from your perspective, I mean, it, it's, it's the – is that where when you talk about machine learning and, and artificial – being able to parse that data, um, you know, technology has got to keep pace with the amount of data that's being collected? Is that
2: – That's exactly right. And you know, in, in the case of – so I'll, I'll draw a parallel to the work that we're doing in fraud prevention. Um, when we digest a billion Medicare claims a year – We want to be able to quickly reduce the amount of data that we're looking at to something that might be suspicious. So we want to ignore most of it, right? Sure, yeah. And so then we would use predictive analytics to look for anomalies, use machine learning, artificial intelligence to be able to say what looks different or suspicious, right? And then let's focus our time and our energy on just those things. So perhaps the same thing on a um, surveillance-type environment, right, Right. Is, is monitoring Something as simple as uh, over-the-counter um, purchases of, of medicine. Right. Monitoring, you know, what's Looking happening for patterns Looking or, for patterns uh, yeah, or anomalies. anomalies, like you said. Yeah.
0: Eric, we do have to take our last break. My guest today is Eric Weiss. He is Vice President of Health Solutions at Northrop Grumman. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation about healthcare care delivery in the federal context. Um, you know, and I would talk a bit more about, um, you know, the I think um, the – Uh, logistics piece of it. I mean, because we are talking about worldwide network and how, you know, in a certain time, a certain context to me, just in time is is a concept that's really important in healthcare delivery, right? Um, And again, my guest today is Eric Weiss, Vice President of Health Solutions at North Grumman, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network.
3: When the world calls for advanced electronics, we respond with C4ISR breakthroughs. When the world calls for defense from cyber threats, we provide groundbreaking cyber solutions. When the world calls for a revolution in autonomous technology, Northrop Grumman is there. At Northrop Grumman, we're constantly innovating to deliver the most effective and affordable solutions to our customers. Whether it's cyber, logistics, autonomous systems, C4ISR, or strike, that's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. To learn more, visit northropgrummancom performance.
0: Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Eric Weiss. He is Vice President of Health Solutions at Northrop Grumman. We've been talking about uh, the federal healthcare space um, and Northrop's uh, support of customer mission requirements and and just generally what's going on in the space and in technology. And uh, Eric, when I took the break, I mentioned logistics, but I want to talk about logistics in terms of I guess sort of where we are today, um, in terms of whether it's healthcare logistics on the battlefield, supporting the military, or just logistics in general, where we are, where and where it's going in the future, like you know modernization and how you know Northrop is staying ahead of the technology curve. So, uh, first of all, just like you know, what are the challenges and where we're, where it's the current sort of state of logistics uh, across the you know the department and in particularly in the medical space.
2: Sure. So again, I think probably the most pressing logistical issue, one of them out there is, is blood logistics, getting blood to the right place at the right time. Um, but overall, um, logistics is always going to be a challenge. I think it's going to become um, much more difficult in the future. So if we take a minute to talk more about how the battle space is going to evolve in the future, it's going to become much more distributed and complex. They call it cross domain uh, battle space by which they mean um, looking at um a more distributed land, air, sea, space; those are the domains, and cyber, the cyber domain. Uh, and we're looking at um, the advancement of our near-peer adversaries. That's going to lead us to prepare for the potential for, I think, larger and faster conflicts than what we've seen in the last three decades. Um, and that, unfortunately, is going to lead uh, to the to the need to think about the potential for mass casualties. That creates a whole new medical logistics challenge when you're starting to think about lots of people, right? and um, trying to address um, the evacuation, the triage, um, the customers that we've been talking with talk about the need to triage casualties on the battlefield and then re-triage them at different points and through the different roles of care and needing to understand um, how to prioritize, right? So you've got the logistics of the patient transportation, you've got the logistics of bringing all the necessary supplies to them. I think as we look further forward, what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to equip more, um, more of the soldiers uh, that are fighting shoulder to shoulder because we're not going to be able to get enough medics in the right place at the right time. So we want to use tools and techniques to be able to equip people that are right next to you to be able to call for medevac, to be able to apply the right tourniquet, to be able to get the data onto a smart device from somebody's bios embedded biosensors, biosensors that are embedded in a T-shirt, right? For example, being able to get that information very quickly in the right place without needing a proliferation of medics that are there to help them, right? Um, but it's 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 definitely, you know, I think as as we're looking forward, we're looking towards a different um, a different kind of battle and a different scale and a different pace,
0: right? So. That's sort of the requirement, right? And by the way, you know, when you describe that inter, you know, the interrelated, um, the language you used, I couldn't help. I was thinking about, um, um, this is a Procurement Geek, like Section 809 panel. And, you know, coming up, they're going to be doing their last set of recommendations. And they're talking about, in the requirements world, like looking at it more as a portfolio, right? So how, and, and not, and less, or in a certain sense, less stove type. So portfolio would have the interconnected sort of all the different pieces of the military that work to together, right? Sure. And technology wise and have, have the requirements sort of developed, you know, more strategically or cross cutting rather than in a stovepipe approach. Right. Um it seems to me what what you described is a lot of information and a, and in then trying to increase the ability to make decisions much more quickly. And what does that mean in terms of modernization as you think of, you know, technology and where it's going and how to take advantage of it and, and modernizing that system and staying ahead of that curve? What, you know, what do you see coming in the future and sure. what are you gonna guys going to try to take advantage of? Without giving any trade secrets, I get sure. it.
2: No, I, yeah, so I, what I would say is that we're always focused on the user first and foremost and all the way through the process, right? Because, um, you know, as, as we've um, now – achieved some great milestones on a global combat support system. We focused on the user and what they need and how they do logistics, how they accomplish their logistics tasks, and using modern technology like tablets and things like that that they can, um, they can interface with quickly and easily. I think that's going to be the challenge on the operational medicine front is being able to get um, the user in the center of every design. So the, the, the technologies that I've talked about, whether it's a near-field communications patch, a smartphone, a smartwatch, um it can't be a burden on whoever's using it, right? The the user has to be at the focus of any modernization so that it's not some new burden that they're just gonna you know um, leave uh, Right leave and find a workaround or something that's, that's right, right to try to deal with it. That's right. So
0: yeah, you know, and I mentioned culture back at the in one of the earlier segments. We didn't really get to touch on that. When you you know the part of the you know the requirements are the requirements. And, understanding the culture of your customer too is important um, and sort of their values and that sort of thing. Is that, I mean, do you have have any comments on that?
2: Uh, I I agree completely. I think by virtue of having 15,000 veterans within the company, um, we have the right expertise, right? So we can bring the culture from all the different services to bear. As we think about a joint operational medicine system, we have people that can represent those different cultures and the different perspectives, um, and we can bring that to bear on our designs and our innovation as we go forward.
0: Right. And also from that perspective, when you when you say that, it also not just culture, you, well, I guess it is culture, it's just the whole decision making requirements development process and understanding what's important to you know and what the values are, shapes the safe shapes the solutions, is that fair.
2: Uh, agreed. And I think it's again, it's the complexity of having some competing interests and competing requirements across the services. Um, the way that we're working through that is trying to meet with senior leaders um, from all the services, right, and right. and from some of the sort of trusted brokers in the middle, like the Surgeon General and, and those kinds of things, right. So,
0: so um, we have about two minutes left. Um, so, you started as a mechanical engineer, right, I did. and um, and now you're looking from strategic perspective across the customer and trying to support their needs. You know, from your perspective. What, you know, over your career what what's the biggest change or what, what do you see as the biggest challenge i mean i have some thoughts but i mean uh, do, you, do you have anything that you share
2: i would just say um the adoption of technology you know when i when i started my career 25 years ago um it was a little unusual for someone to carry around a cell phone um it's very unusual for someone not to have their cell phone today and there's so more so much more advanced right we have miniature supercomputers in our pockets at all times and I think that, uh, um, you know, people, and with the proliferation of medical devices that we don't even think of as medical devices. We just think of it as a Fitbit, right? Um, I think that the combination of those things brings so much potential to the data that,
0: that – yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting and a follow-up question to that. Do you think – so the government is historically, right, you know, maybe back in the 70s, the 60s, 70s, the government – through research and you know space program whatever drove technology right now it is clearly the private sector, and the government's an adopter, and you know as a systems integrator you are key to you know that swift adoption, um, it, you know and filling that bridge, um, you know is that is that where you I mean that is a big value proposition as part of what that's a great
2: example I, you know I, I, that's a great point I think um, what we see is we're seeing technologies that are out there in the entertainment industry, for example, um, and, and video games, right? We're able to go and we're able to take technology used for video games, turn it into very effective virtual training devices, right? And that's exactly what the government today can afford, right? And that's what they look right. for Right. Is they don't want to be on the bleeding edge. They want to be on the leading edge. Let, right. let the entertainment industry, for example, pay for the, the most expensive development and then let's take advantage of it for the warfighter.
0: Right, right. I, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I was just thinking about my cousin who was an early adopter of technology, you know, like whether it was a VCR or whatever, right? And he spent a lot of money. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, Leading edge, right? Yeah, now. that's right. So, um, uh, great stuff, Eric. Thank you so much. Uh, my guest today has been Eric Bice. He is vice president of health solutions at Northrop Grumman. And you have been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Radio, a part of the Federal News Network.
1: You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night.